I'm Karen Lewis, and welcome to Recovery Bites, a show that gets real about recovery, where we welcome voices in the field and voices of experience. Join me for candid interviews with experts in eating disorder and mental health recovery. Listeners can look forward to new perspectives, meaningful conversations, diverse connection, and compelling personal narratives that make a powerful difference in how we live. Episodes focus on life beyond recovery, the good and the not so good, the successes and the challenges, and the authentic accounts of recovered lives. Not their whole story, just bites. I'm also excited to announce that the Karen Lewis Eating Disorder Center is expanding throughout the country. If you are an experienced, well-trained therapist with lived experience, whose clinical approach aligns with the values represented in these podcast episodes, or if you are seeking treatment, we would love to hear from you. Please go to our website, karenlewisedc.com. All right, everyone, here we go. This is a really sacred episode. My guest for today is Ale K. Ale goes by the pronouns he, him, is a powerful, powerful human being, really beautiful soul, talks about being queer, fat, trans, an educator, a yoga instructor, and experiencing an eating disorder. It's a really powerful episode, so let's just jump right in. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Recovery Bites. I am really, really excited about our guest for today, Ale K. Ale, welcome to the show. Thanks, Karen. I'm honored to be here. I'm so excited because you have so much to talk about that we were even joking as before we started recording that I'm I'm going to take a step back and just I just am giving you free reins. But but all kidding aside, we're talking about serious topics here. And so, Ale, can you tell the listeners about who you are and just w- wherever you want to begin? I just really want to honor your narrative. Sure. Hey everyone, I'm Alay. My pronouns are he, him. I am a queer, trans, fat, mask, yoga instructor, trans mask. Um, I'm currently residing on unceded Cherokee land in Asheville, North Carolina. I like to honor the land. And I am recovering from disordered eating. So one of the things that you and I were talking about earlier is there is no, there's no limits in this conversation. There's no complete guidelines. So we talk about all different levels of recovery. So can you share where you're at? And maybe if you, if you feel comfortable, what, what went into your eating disorder and just getting to where you're at right now? Yeah, sure. Um, And I'm not super experienced in talking publicly, verbally, so I hope I don't offend anyone, and if I do, apologies. Um, I've always been, I identify, I self-identify as fat. Um, I've always been, you know, in a larger body to some extent. I wouldn't say fat, Um, and I would say eating as a coping mechanism began when I was pretty young. 
Um, even as a baby, I think my parents gave me milk to soothe. Um, and, you know, I was fat. <laughs> the picture on my fridge right now that I'm looking at, I'm like, I was a big baby. Um, <laughs> you know, I did different things in, in middle school to try to change the shape of my body, the size of my body. Um, one of which was like stopping eating essentially. Um, and I definitely have always kind of been in like a, a binge and restriction cycle um, for like years. I didn't realize it. I thought it was just kind of what women did. I didn't know I wasn't a woman or I didn't have to be one for a while. Um, but yeah, looking back now, I'm like, oh, that was like really weird disordered eating conversations I had for years with friends about food. Um, so fortunately now, you know, like I've worked with a really cool queer and trans affirming food therapist for like a year, year and a half. And I was able to come to the other side of like realizing like, you know, I can eat. It's okay to eat. I don't have to be afraid to eat. Food is fine. It's not like the bad person here. Um, and just a lot of my own internalized like fat phobia and anti-fat bias coming through the other side of that. And, um, you know, just being trans and having gender dysphoria on top of disordered eating is like really difficult. Um, for example, I had, you know, dysphoria before I got top surgery and I still have dysphoria afterwards. It's just different, not about my boobs. Um, and so, you know, like if you have boobs, everyone knows who has boobs that one way to make your boobs smaller is to lose weight. And so I'd like dream about being skinnier, like my other yoga friends. So my boobs would be smaller, but it wasn't just that I needed to stop eating. I did not need to stop eating. It was that actually, I just didn't want to have boobs and it was gender dysphoria. So um, that's like a really nuanced path that I think still not a lot of people know about. Like most nutritionists out there don't really have a trans informed lens yet. And so I think there's still like a lot of learning to be done and unlearning about like, what do, what do trans patients need? What do trans people need in terms of like body image and acceptance and love? And Well, I'm, I'm also hearing that for quite some time, you were trying to fit into multiple molds, if we could use that word, like trying to fit into what a quote unquote woman looks like trying to look look like quote unquote what a yoga teacher looks like i mean it it sounds like you were trying to navigate through this world from this perception and by the way most people don't meet it and so what how did you navigate through that especially with gender dysphoria i mean there were many many things that were happening all at once yeah it was really incredible i um I'm also in recovery from substance use and abuse. And so I have, I'll have five years completely clean and sober in January. Um, so I got sober the same year that I came out as trans and did my yoga teacher training. Like it all happened at once. Like it was like years of like resisting and like smoking weed to hide behind my feelings and like dysphoria and all these things and disconnection from the body. And then it was like, 
oh, I can be in my body. Oh, and I can be trans. Oh, and I can teach others to be in their body or help others be in their body. Like it was just like this confluence at once of like, just like this breakthrough in 2017. Is there something specific that you're referring to when you say that nutritionists and dietitians have to look through a trans lens? Like, Oh, broaden there. And and I heard you when you said like love and acceptance, but is there it um, beyond that? I guess I'm asking, is there something? From what I see online on Instagram, most nutritionists that I see are like, you know, thin, cishet, white, able-bodied women or femmes. And so there's just, you know, internal bias that needs to be, you know, if it's unconscious, it needs to be conscious, you know, we can't necessarily eliminate all our biases, but at least being aware of them, we can, you know, know how they're showing up and try to not lead from them when they do show up. And so I think there's just a lot of like, um, yeah, like work, self-study that that everyone needs to do in the world. And that's probably the work of not only nutritionists, but definitely of like yoga teachers. Um, and that's a lot of the work that I've been doing in the last year is helping yoga teachers to also share that similar demographic of like, okay, so I have this privilege. Now I see it and now I can do good with it. I think that people are so afraid to admit that they have biases that they stop there, which doesn't allow them to do the work. And then we go nowhere. Yeah. And it's really wild because these people we're talking about people who are supposedly doing the work helping others do the work but then when it comes to our own privilege we get really scared we like shrivel up and become small because we get into this place of I'm a bad person and it's like you're not a bad person you're a human and so a lot of it is like shame resiliency and I think also a lot of a lot of it is just being honest with self and recognizing that life is messy and there's no shame attached to that. It's almost a taboo to say, I may have some biases. I may have some preconceived notions. And so we keep, we keep projecting on people unconsciously, these, these preconceived notions and these biases and yeah, no, it's just that people are really afraid of admitting that they have privilege and it's really wild. It's like, you can do so much with your privilege when you use it for good. You can change the world based on your social location. You just have to acknowledge your social location and your positionality. And that's where I think a lot of people get stuck looking at themselves, even though they've done so much work to look at themselves in terms of, you know, one topic of life, whether it be recovery from one aspect of life, but always more work to be done. Do you mind me asking when you and I were talking earlier and you said that you didn't want to use the word recovered, say a little bit more about that. Where do you feel like you are at this point? Yeah. Um, so you said, I know that you are recovered. And I said, well, <laughs> For me, it feels so final. And like for someone who like lives, you know, like more on the spectrum in terms of my gender, my sexuality, for me, nothing is is final or finite or like declared. Like it's like I'm pansexual today. I could be a gay man tomorrow. I don't know. Um, 
So that part of me that's like always curious, the yogi that's like remaining ever present is like, yes, like I have come a long way in terms of my disordered eating. And I still struggle to remember to eat sometimes or to like not put, you know, like value on food or to not like be like, I need to work out so I can eat that food. I don't really do that anymore. But you know, like I I still have these thoughts. I still can watch the thoughts happening. They haven't all disappeared. I try not to act on them anymore. I try to not have negative self-talk about like eating a pint of ice cream, but sometimes I do. You know, let's, let's expand this conversation to what we were also talking about. And forgive me, everyone, like as if we were having this like private party before we got on, but I'm like, I remember this and remember that. But so one of the things that happened is you said, when we sat down, you said, oh, I have to eat. And so is, is it okay if I eat? And, and we started talking about this judgment of eating. We, we live in a world of Zoom, eating on Zoom calls, eating period. What is it that we're eating? So say a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's 12 o'clock. It's lunchtime. I'm standing up and I know I have a call in 30 minutes and I'm going to preheat the oven. And I know it's just going to be ready at 1230 when the call is going. And I'm like, you know, I need to eat. I'm going to eat. We're going to figure it out. It's going to be fine. No one's world is going to shatter if I eat on screen, if I eat at the beginning of this call, when we actually had time to chat and eat. Um, But that's like something I've been doing low key, like social advocacy, just like eating on screen, eating on Zoom meetings, just like trying to normalize it, you know, like even if I go to an in-person meeting, if, you know, there's not a huge mask mandate, if I can just eating a bite or two, even though, you know, most people are just sitting there not doing anything. Like if you need to eat, eat. And I feel like that was a big lesson for me to learn because I used to have shame about eating. I used to be afraid to eat in public. I used to be afraid to be seen as a fat person eating because people might make assumptions like, oh, that person just eats all the time. Oh, they're just so hungry. What, how, what or how did it shift for you? And was practicing and studying yoga and really going inside is that what 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 started it yeah I mean for for me yoga was a huge like self-acceptance journey like I mentioned like I came out as trans in the same time that I did a yoga teacher training like that's not a coincidence um you know just being able to finally see myself um and hold space for myself as a healer Um, And then also yoga did perpetuate some disordered eating for a while. There is a lot of diet culture embedded in yoga and it's masked as health, health, you know, pursuit of health, pursuit of well-being, pursuit of being healthy. And I think that there's a lot of bullshit that comes along these days with the word health. Mm -hmm. So it was eventually a personal journey where I had to step away from my yoga roots and work with a food therapist and specifically a queer and trans informed. She's not trans, but she's trans informed therapist who could help me understand what gender dysphoria was in relation to gender 
um, in relation to body dysmorphia and how that was showing up in my thoughts and habits. And can you say a little bit more about the two that you experienced, the gender dysphoria and the body dysphoria? I'm sorry, I can't say the word dysphoria today. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's really complicated because they're so similar, but they're not the same. And so it can be really nuanced and hard to see. But the way that my um, my body, my gender dysphoria, you can say body or gender dysphoria, but I'll say gender dysphoria showed up. One example is like two years ago before I had top surgery, I was, you know, really unhappy that I had these breasts, this breast tissue. I really did not enjoy them. I hated them. I never wanted them to be there. Um, and so, you know, all my other yoga friends were like very skinny. And I was like, if I just didn't have as much body fat, then they would be smaller. And then I would look more mask and it would be great. But it's like, no, that's not the problem. We just didn't need the boobs. <laughs> just needed to get the surgery, get them lopped off. But, but you can see how like the wanting to make the body smaller becomes played in with the gender dysphoria. Well, I'm, I'm assuming it's an incredibly confusing place to be in because they there is so much overlap. Yeah. And if you are not trans informed or informed about gender dysphoria, we're automatically going to be working with somebody assuming this is strictly body body image distortion. And the placement on the breasts is just again body image. And it it we have to we have to go deeper. Yeah. And you just yeah, you just have to know about trans people and it's like you can't know till you know. Um, but fortunately my my food therapist will say she's I guess a registered registered dietitian, but food therapist feels better. We were not, you know, talking about diet culture, and if we were, it was shitting on it. Um, <laughs> so she had fortunately worked with a lot of trans folks before me. So she could actually, even though she was cis or cisgender, uh, help me see what my body dysphoria was or my gender dysphoria, um, and understanding it because you can't really fix it or work with it or move through it without understanding what it is even and how it manifests. What was it like for you when you came to that realization? I'm sure there was a mix of many different emotions. It was slow and it was subtle and it was over time. It wasn't like one day I understood, but um, really liberating, just like finally understanding, like I'm not broken. Something's not wrong with me. Like I'm perfectly fine. There's stuff I can do to mitigate these, you know, emotions I'm having or like discomfort I'm experiencing and like, I think having the practice of yoga accompany that process was really key because I could still understand to like sit with it and move through it. And I'm not saying like, I don't dive into like avoidance or whatever, but like it definitely helped me be with myself. Well, that's another misrepresentation that somebody who is spiritual and does yoga is 24 hours a day, you know, namaste, everything is that that's just that's just not real life. It doesn't doesn't exist that way. So can you share a little bit about your teaching? Because you teach trans yoga. So talk a little bit about that. Sure. Um, I mean, people like to ask me like, what does that mean queer and trans yoga? Like what makes it different? I'm like, honestly, a big difference is just the fact that the teacher is queer and trans. <laughs> like who I am and how I show up sets the tone for the class. 
Um, so, you know, like I'm showing up with, you know, we're on Zoom right now with my pronouns and my Zoom name. I'm having, you know, sign up guides or sign up forms and there's a spot for pronouns when people sign up. I understand that, you know, people have dead names. People might sign up with one name and pay with a different name on the credit card. Just like having the understanding of people's experience before they even come into the, the room so that they can show up who they are and not having to do this labor of explaining who they are. And yes, and and right there, that's that's what's key. And that's also what's really important about going to a trans-informed therapist or dietitian because it's not your job to come in and teach me about it. So I'm comfortable with with working with you. Do you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah. I've done both. <laughs> Again, it's not your job. You're not coming to teach me. I'm coming to support you. And so I'm sure with what you were saying, you know, this is where with privilege, we take so much for granted. Like, to be honest with you, it did not occur to me that the name you go by may not be the same name on the credit card. And that is just another and it, it seems like a small thing, but if there's a lot of things that you have to keep explaining, it's not. It's a really big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Every time someone asks me for my name at the doctor's or a credit card company, I will say my dead name is, it's not my name. It's my dead name. Yeah. How do you feel like disordered eating or eating disorder, whatever word we choose to use, how, how do you feel it played into, I guess, prior to understanding that there was gender dysphoria and, you know, how has it shifted since you've transitioned and you've had surgery and things like that? Something that, you know, like I've talked about the boobs a lot, but <laughs> so once I, so I started working again, everything's similar timing. I started working with Sam, Sam Tryon in about June of 2019 and I got top surgery that December. So six months later, um, and then after I got top surgery, I look down and there's no boobs and all I see is my belly. And that was really, really um, shocking. There's still a lack of fat trans mask representation out in the world where the people who are being uplifted are still thin, mostly. And so I had not heard this talked about a lot or had anyone ever tell me that that might happen. So I felt a lot of discomfort, disease in my body. You know, after top surgery, I was like, I have this dad bod and I was not ready for it. Like, I was like, what is this belly thing here? There's no boobs. It's just belly. And it was really hard. Um, and then COVID hit. <laughs> And maybe not everyone gained weight, but I certainly gained weight. And um, I also got COVID early on. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, so I couldn't. I couldn't work out for a while. Um, so I've. I've. That's why I say I've continued my journey, right? Like I, I've continued to feel <coughs> discomfort and disease in my body. Um, and I started on testosterone also in March of 2020. Um, <laughs> when the pandemic hit and testosterone also has made me gain weight. And so it's continued to be a struggle to be like, I'm in the largest body that I've ever lived in. 
and I know how society perceives me. I don't fit in chairs when I go out um, at the airplane. Now I have to request an extra seatbelt extender. And like as classy as they can be about it, they really have been fine. Um, it's just uncomfortable. And so the work in progress, but you know, with the yoga and the awareness of my thoughts, I'm like able to say, okay, I hear that talk about the hip right now and I can believe it or I cannot, or I can just hear it and not even attach to it. So that's where I am right now in my practice because it's a practice every day of being in my body. Of course. What is it that you wish, and, and other than what you just articulated, what is it that you wish people had told you? Because you said nobody told you some of the things that you were going to experience. And so, again, it may have been that when you go on testosterone, you do gain more weight or that when you're, you know, when you get top surgery, you look down. But what are some other things? Definitely the belly thing, um, which is why I think I'm going to take some pictures soon of my quote unquote imperfect, but perfect body after top surgery and post them. Because I know that being visible for others is really healing. Um, but other things, I'll have to think about that. Um, just, I just really want to see more and more fat trans mask representation in the world and like have our voices be more uplifted and heard and, and really like listened to and respected. What kind of responses are you getting from people who are so desperate, which is such a terrible way of articulating somebody's experience, but so desperate to hear these messages and, and be able to look at somebody and say, oh, I'm not alone. Like what, what kind of messages have you been receiving? Yeah, I get that all the time. Um, why I keep my Instagram going, <laughs> you know, people are, are seeking comfort and they get it. They say when they, when they see my images. And so that's why it's important for me to keep going and show these images of like my quote unquote, imperfect top surgery results, my dog ears, because like, yeah, I'm not like super skinny, like the very famous division one swimmer who everyone knows and loves trans person. Um, but there is an important role that I play in showing that your top surgery results might be like this and it might be okay. And so, yeah, people do message me all the time. They're like, oh my God, thank you so much. Like, that's how I look like, like, or that's how I think I might look like, or I have no clue what I might look like. And I appreciate understanding, like seeing you. So it's really nice to get those messages and it feels weird to like brag about them, but it's, it's really heartwarming to get them. I don't think it's bragging. I think it's, again, highlighting that it's highlighting that these messages are necessary, which is really unfortunate. Like, it's, it's just, it's, again, people need to be heard and people need to hear and see people that they can resonate with. Were there people in your life that were resistant to you actually living your true authentic self? Yeah. When I told my mom I was going to get top surgery, she said, no grandbabies. I'm like, well, first of all, I already told you no grandbabies. Second of all, it only means no breastfeeding, but yes, no grandbabies. Um, <laughs> and I didn't tell my dad until after the surgery because I was so on 
I was terrified of not getting support. And I told one of my aunts who's religious and she said, it's a big decision. Have you thought about it? And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I have. So family was hard, especially older family who's, you know, I was going to say in their forties and fifties, but no, they're in their sixties. Um, (laughs) And so just family who's like, you know, a bit older, I think different times and stuck in a bit of the past and not really the present of like one in four youth these days know someone know someone who's trans or non-binary and that's only growing was the pandemic a time of too much self-reflection for you or like let's talk about that and by the way for anybody but you were right in the in the crux of many transitions and then the pandemic hits so how was that for you? And you got COVID. Yeah. Yeah. I got COVID four months after top surgery. And that was really hard because they were like, is your chest tight? And I'm like, yeah, it's been that way for months. <laughs> They're like, we know you're a yoga teacher. Can you do pranayama? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to hold my breath. I'm just going to try to breathe. I have never been asked this. Like, was it a time of too much reflection? I think a lot of people who maybe didn't do as much reflection as I always have, were like, oh, it was such a great time to go within. And I'm like, no, actually it was too much. Um, (laughs) Yeah, there were times where I was like, enough of my own voice, enough of my own exploration. Oh, and that's, that's fine. That's, by the way, again, that's human. But what, what was the experience like for you? You want me to sit with the experience? I was going to tell you what I did to solve it. (laughs) I want to hear what you, I wanted you to say what the experience was like, and I want you to tell people how you solved it. It was really uncomfortable. I also moved to a new city, to a new state in the pandemic last November. You don't do anything like small, do you? Like everything is grand. This is this is wonderful. You're like, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do everything and I'm gonna do it all within a two year span. <laughs> just to just to really, really, you know, get into it. So go ahead. What were you saying? So you moved. So I moved to the mountains to a small town. I'm in the rural south. <laughs> so I was like, where I heard this was a queer trans town. Where are y'all hiding? Because I don't see anyone that looks like me. All I see is Trump flags. Um, so it was a lot of like, you know, just chilling with myself in the mountains, but I've been here a year now. And so I'm beginning to like find my people and be invited to the secret house parties and all the things that I knew were happening that I didn't know how to access. And (coughs) part of what I did to solve it was I got a job. I started working at a cafe. I just was sick of working in like my house and just hanging out with myself. Um, so I just started working outside of the house. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's again, like a lot of people are like, you know, I would, I would talk to people on the phone and they're like, what's new? And I'm like, nothing. I have nothing new to share. So going out and seeing people was really, really important. We were so disconnected. And, and again, and I don't mean to speak for you, you had just spent years of disconnection from yourself. And I'm also imagining that this was a time that you needed a lot of emotional support. None of these transitions were easy for you. And so to then be in the pandemic and in a place where you're you're new must have been quite challenging. 
It was. I was depressed. I might still be depressed. I mean, we have Omicron now. Like, I feel like we like still are in the pandemic. You know, we might be going into more lockdowns. Some people are in some parts of the world. And it's been challenging. And I feel like the pandemic has also allowed a lot of us to come out and be ourselves more freely because we haven't had the social pressures or the societal expectations. So a lot more people have come out in the past year and a half. And that's been really exciting. And I've gotten to connect with queer and trans folks from all over the world. Like I was writing a letter to a patron yesterday in Finland. Like that's amazing. <laughs> Talk about the yoga. So you, you're doing these wonderful yoga classes on Zoom. Talk a little bit about them and how you're reaching all these people. Well, Instagram. <laughs> I'm nodding, but I'm I'm not very, you know, I'm not very social media savvy. I'm like, yes. And I'm like, oh, so go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> Well, before the pandemic, I had a thousand followers and now I have 10,000. So I was able to gain a lot of traction because I think we were all holed up in our houses, like scrolling on our phones. And everyone was like, wait, I'm not showing up to these little boxes that I used to perform in. And maybe I can free myself of them. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've gotten a lot of DMs. (laughs) Just folks like, asking me questions and like thanking me and just seeking community and it's been really beautiful yeah how does how does yoga help during times of transition whether it's body transition moving pandemic talk a little bit about that you're right you asked me to talk about my yoga classes and I forgot oh that's okay (laughs) well I'm starting next week back up again. By the time this airs, it will probably be already next week. Um, So I am teaching a weekly queer and trans yoga class online on Zoom on Thursdays at 6 Eastern. And it's just a space for people to come and use their, their real names and their pronouns and really be themselves and, and get a little bit embodied. You know, a lot of us who have dysphoria, or dysmorphia, because I also have a lot of fat or larger bodied students or folks are coming from EDs is, you know, we live a lot of our life disembodied. And so to come and practice being embodied for an hour is a really powerful practice. And it doesn't mean we're doing like these most extravagant like poses. It means we're literally putting our feet on a mat and touching our hands with our feet and vice versa and like getting in connection with ourselves. And that's, more powerful than a fancy yoga pose. I I know that I, I I don't do yoga anymore, and I don't mean that as an insult, but I used to, and I used to get the most emotional in shavasana. So it wasn't like a pose that was you know powerful. It was just laying on the floor and giving myself a chance to stop. And I I used to always cry actually, and and I thought it was a great thing. Like it's just that's where. You know, and, you know, dare I say, our our yoga has become so westernized that it's not anything traditional. And and I'm sorry, that was that was a pretty big statement when I said anything. I want to take that back. But it's it's gotten far away, I feel, from what it was the intention was, which was dropping into self. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I try to keep my my yoga classes closer to the roots of yoga with that sentiment. Yeah. And are you noticing that first of all is the community that you're you're embarking on the, the people that are finding you is it larger than you had anticipated or are more people showing up and or is it exactly as you had thought? Well, it's been ebb and flow in the pandemic, but when I first started teaching this class over two years ago in person, it was amazing. I mean, it was in a group house, so it wasn't in a yoga studio. It was in the first floor of a group house and it was donation-based. You didn't sign up, you just showed up and the rooms were packed. I mean, there was no room anywhere for anyone. The mats were stuck together. It was amazing. And I'd never had classes fill up that way before when I was teaching whatever everyone else was teaching, what I was thinking I had to teach in studios. And so I feel like for me, that gave me a lot of hope. Like I was like, wow, I'm finally doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And so with Zoom, it's been an experience of like yoga for top surgery, queer trans yoga workshops. Like these things have been really popular. Queer trans kids yoga, a harder sell. (laughs) Say a little bit more about that with the harder sell. I mean, I think that it's harder to reach the kids. Like who knows what the parents are doing. And I had two families come with three kids and they were adorable. I mean, I had a five, seven and eight year old, I think. By the way, there's really nothing cuter than seeing you know, young people there and they're so, they're so limber and just getting into these positions. And it's just, I mean, it's really, it's, it's, it's adorable. It's the only way I can describe it. Yeah. And having them be like, I'm so-and-so and and my pronouns are he, him, or my pronouns are they, he, I'm like, oh my God, I love you. The interesting thing is though, is when you when you dropped into yourself, which is not always an easy thing to do, when you were when you became authentic to who you truly are, things opened up for you. People started becoming you. You started attracting like minded people. So, you know, we try so hard to fit into a culture that doesn't match our values or our soul. And we just feel more disconnected. The more we try to fit in, the more hollow we feel, the more disconnected. You just said, and I don't mean just as if it was like, I'm just going to do it. But you came to a place, got to a place where you were like, this is who I am. And I'm going to share it with whoever wants to be part of it. And look at all the people. Yeah, right now I'm working on launching a mentorship program for people like me who are who are seeking that connection and the responses are so adorable I love them they're like I just want to finally be gentle and loving with myself as a trans masculine person and they're just like I just want to feel like a good person and I'm like yes it's okay we can do this Yeah. So those messages are giving me hope that there is still desire to be in our bodies, even if things are hard and there's still like this wanting and this 
thirst for knowledge because I think that's what keeps us going in life. I agree wholeheartedly. Unfortunately, we are going to have to start winding this down. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you'd like to share with listeners or something that you just wanted people to know? Sure. I'll tell you where you can find me. <laughs> my Instagram is at trans yoga teacher. And my website is also transyogateacher.com. And I have a couple of free videos on YouTube. It's also the same name. And join me for class. I'd love to have you. Holly, thank you so, so much. It really has been such an honor having you on the show. Thank you, Karen. All right, everyone. That does it for another episode of Recovery Bites. I look forward to speaking with each and every one of you next week. Take care and stay safe. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Recovery Bites. Be sure to visit recoverybitespodcast.com to join the conversation, access show notes, listen to past episodes, and more. You can also find us by searching for Recovery Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and major podcast streaming players. For weekly episode releases, you can follow us at at Recovery Bites Pod on Instagram. If you're interested in becoming a guest on the show or to submit a guest request, please visit KarenLewisEDC.com forward slash podcast sign up to begin the process. I'd also like to send out a heartfelt thank you to my producer, Jen Galvin. It is unbelievable the magic she does behind the scenes. All right, everyone. See you next week for another Recovery Bite. Thanks for listening.